0: Hey, and welcome back to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on the deep dive of the happenings in the food, wine, and hospitality scene. So if you're new here, hi, thanks for joining us. We are in the gorgeous wine lair, a private wine club right next to the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in downtown DC. It's not related, though. And if you haven't been, then you need to step in because they have not only this gorgeous PDR, private dining room, but also a beautiful place to keep all your wines and spirits. They do tons of events here, so follow them at WineLair on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the things. And of course, you want to follow me at NYCCI. N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, Twitter, X, whatever it's called these days, LinkedIn, and of course, you want to subscribe to YouTube because this show now airs on YouTube. So, a little bit about me if it's your first time here. Um, the list are you is an online e-zine I started 20 years ago. It gives you the 411 of everything happening in the D.C. food, wine, and hospitality industry. Um, all the events, Every promotion, everything happening, it's all in there and it's free. Um, Also you follow me on social, I just gave you the handle. Uh, Foodie and the Beast, it airs every Sunday, 15 years in October. We are the only food and wine uh, variety show still happening in D.C. on radio. Of course, downloadable as a podcast. You're checking out Industry Night right now. You're following me on social. Of course, you hear me on WTOP. And I'm doing a lot of television these days. Stay tuned because you'll hear more about all of that. Okay, so if you don't subscribe to all my things, please do. And if you have been following me on social, then you see, girl has been eating an awful lot um, and drinking a bit as well. So first and foremost, I got to see what Ruben Garcia is doing with his cafe. Uh, no, Casa Teresa. Excuse me. Casa Teresa is going to be opening up in the very much uh, excited for...
1: Um, the Square,
0: which is going to be down on 19th and K. He and Richie Brandenburg, you remember him from Union Market, they're going to be opening up this beautiful food hall and Casa Teresa is going to be the gem of the restaurant in there. So I went to a pop-up of it. It was at Apero, which is one of my favorite little champagne and caviar bars. Ellie Benjamin poured gorgeous wines throughout the night to really punctuate the food that uh, Ruben is serving. Gorgeous, gorgeous, melt-in-your-mouth, jamon, beautiful, uh, Valencia-style cuisine throughout the evening. Um, If you don't know Ruben, you should. He used to be uh, with Jose uh, Andres, and um, I think everybody in the D.C. food, wine, and hospitality scene is eagerly awaiting the opening of this restaurant. Okay, next, I went to Philip Chow. Now, for those of you in the area who know who Philip Chow is, you may roll your eyes a bit because you're kind of like, really, is it any good? And I kind of went in like that, which I'll be very honest about. It's at the wharf. It is splashy. It is dashy. It is fabulous. There's a DJ. Everybody is dressed. It looks good. The food is excellent. I mean, surprisingly excellent. And I know that sounds so jaded, but come on, I've got a chef here. He knows what I'm talking about. Chef Chow was there. I actually got to meet him, which was lovely. The Peking duck was delicious. The dumplings are amazing. Our server was terrific. Um, I can't wait to go back. I just, I'm so impressed by the food. Oh, and the dessert. You're gonna see everybody getting it because it's such a, a glittery show, but it is this big mound of, um, What's it called? Cotton candy. A big, huge mound, like bigger than me, like a big mound of cotton candy. And they come around with it and then they drizzle it with very hot liquor and they light it on fire and it all swoops up. And then underneath is this little mound of chocolate pastry that they cut up for the table. Uh, again, flashy and dashy. Is it any good? It is, it's delicious. So check out uh, there. I did go back to Salt Line at Bethesda because it's in my backyard. I'll try not to bore you all with it because I'm going to be there often. The bra bar is amazing. Kyle Bailey and his team are just executing it so well. The restaurant is only six weeks old. They are so busy. Um, Oh, and a little pro tip. So if you're a lobster roll fan like I am, but you don't always want to eat all the bread because you're going to eat all the fries, they will put it in a gorgeous boat of lettuce. Um, So that's what I do, and now you can too. You can call the Nikki; they'll know what you're talking about. Uh, Lastly, um, back in the spring I had Corey Van Horn from Visit Montgomery County here on the show with a bunch of people from Visit uh, Montgomery County because they have this amazing agritourism in their agricultural reserve. Um, We learned all about that on this show. So Corey invited me, I have to read this, because it's called the Mid-Atlantic Tourism Public Relations Alliance. They did a huge event here over the last three days, and I met all these people from counties all over the Mid-Atlantic. And there are so many amazing restaurants, incredible hotels, terrific experiences, museums. There is so much within a like five-hour period around the DC metro area to do. And I'm gonna to get to share a lot of that with you based on these relationships. But they did take us out to the Comus Inn, which is in the Ag Reserve. Uh, this gorgeous little inn, uh, not to stay in, but to kind of hang out in, uh, beautiful outdoor space. There was this great little barn overlooking the mountains. The barn looked super rustic. I did not think it was gonna be cute inside. Totally wrong, once again. So chic. Uh, inside beautifully decorated and they were pouring what was the name of the vineyard um, wine Ridge wines from Maryland so don't scrunch your nose at that the rosé <laughs> is delicious and so I kind of hung in there all night oh and lastly when we left they opened up their ice cream window which they have at the front of the Comison and they are serving incredible sauce serve and also Smith Island cake which I am a I'm a real fan of Smith Island cake I like took two pieces home okay so lots of delicious things to do. Check out the list are you want it.com. Don't forget to see what's happening and follow my insta so you can see all the things. But now we're going to get on to today's show. OK, so if you grew up in the '70s, your mother probably told you to clean your plate uh, because there were children starving in Africa. It was true. But what your mom should have said, and better yet, what we know now is, millions of pounds of food wind up in landfills every year. In 2019, in the United States, 229 million tons of food went unsold or were uneaten. Now here's what's scary about that statistic, this statistic. According to the USDA, more than 34 million people, including nine million children, in this country are food insecure. We have the food. It's just not getting into the people's belly. Um, enter food rescue. Now, you may remember I brought Kate Irvank and Colleen Gillespie on industry night last year to talk about this web-based app that engages volunteers. I'm reading it because I want to get all of it. <laughs> volunteers to transfer fresh food surpluses from local businesses to social service agencies that are, are, and they're getting it to be food insecure. So, They continue to grow. They're doing so many things. What started as this little organization here, thanks to Kate and then the addition of Colleen, uh, is just growing and growing. So I brought them both here with me today to reacquaint you with the program, talk about that growth, and then to talk about their new Family Meal for Migrants program. So they brought with them uh, Alex Olivas, who is with the Migrant Solidarity Mutual Aid Correct? Right, absolutely. Okay, great. We, he's here today to talk about what he's doing and how he's working in this program. And then I've got good old friend here, Matt Adler, who if this was a show of another kind, I would introduce him first, because <laughs> he's kind of special. But he does terrific work with them. He works with um, Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen. You can find him right now at Caruso's. Uh, but I love that he's a part of Food Rescue in any way, shape, or form. So we're gonna talk about how all the different people can work within this. So, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you in. I'm thrilled to be here. Okay, Kate, so let's start from the beginning. Food Rescue, what is it?
1: Food Rescue US is a national nonprofit that uh, uses an app technology to engage people who want to do something nice for their community to have the opportunity to shop literally in our app to find matched Food rescues between a business that wants to donate rather than waste Mm -hmm. and a nonprofit agency, low-income housing, uh, mutual aid organization. We basically get food to people who know what to do with it, how to get it out into the community. Mm -hmm. So Food Rescue U.S. D.C. was founded in 2016, and uh, we work in D.C., uh, Northern Virginia, parts of Maryland, Mm -hmm. and we're just uh, every day, you know, actually 364 days a year. I do think maybe we don't have a rescue on Christmas Day, but otherwise we have volunteers out there who are literally picking up food and transporting it sometimes five minutes away, sometimes 15 or 20 minutes away. And we have a new program where you have bikers who are out there doing rescues, which is very exciting. Oh, that is super
0: exciting. Our mission
1: is both to uh, assist the food insecure, but also to... um, help the environment because, you know... Well, we're talking state. food waste.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's kind of talk about that. So we have the broad umbrella of it, but let's, let's get a little nitty-gritty in it. So let's talk about where you're picking up the food from. Who are these partners? How do you acquire them, and how do you create re-
1: relationships with them? We do a great deal of work with corporate cafeterias because prepared food, which, by the way, is protected, all food is protected by the Food Donation Improvement Act of 2022 and the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Food Donation Program of 1996, which is kind of background, but it's important. Because, no, it's important. Yeah. a
0: lot of, I, I mean, I will interject this because over the years, I've heard from people, especially in the restaurant industry or hotel industry, who maybe are not as well versed on the mm-hmm. legalities of it, that they can't give food away because they would be responsible
1: if somebody got sick or something like that, right? If they're donating in good faith, which they are. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and we have checks and balances because our volunteers give up their time to go pick up. The chefs would are pleased to prepare to, to pass the food on, mm-hmm. and the agency um, has skilled people who can properly serve it. So mm-hmm. it's it's all taken care of. That's all taken care but, of. But So I mentioned the corporate cafeterias because – Um, I think our program, one of the reasons it really feels a niche here in uh, the DMV is because we kind of are the prepared food folks. Mm -hmm. Um, Our volunteers are able to um, quickly adapt, pick up food, trays, pans of food. And so we'll have Sodexo or Restaurant Associates. Once we get one of these um, larger food providers, uh, for example, National Geographic was one of our very first food restaurants.
0: Because I think it's good to explain it because people are like, what do you mean cafe- like cafeterias you know most people don't not a lot of people have cafeterias in their offices, but some of these larger organizations do so what are they able to give you
1: or how do they how do they give you We are not able to accept food that has been set up for service, so it 's always food that has been held back okay. properly stored mm-hmm. um, temperature controlled when they pass it off but um we at the World Bank, another example, mm-hmm. um, they have uh, ver- varied food, very culturally appropriate to all the people who work there. And at the end of their cafeteria service, food that has not been set out, they pack away and we come um, on Wednesdays and Fridays to Nat Geo. I mean, to the World Bank. Right. So um, it's and we work with uh, uh, Boeing, we work out at um in Tyson's Corner with mm-hmm. several of the businesses out there in the Hilton headquarters. It's just um, and the good news is once you engage with an organization like Flick Hospitality or Sedexo, mm-hmm. they will refer us to other accounts that they have in the DMV and they are able to say, This has been working for us, you should try it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one area. We do Uh, farmer's markets. We are always at the DuPont Circle farmer's market, which I think is the biggest in the DMV. T-shirted up, about eight people running around to secure whatever food can be donated. Mm. A lot of the farmers will come. It's kind of like gleaning.
0: Right? You're just sort of gleaning what's left, you know, sort of, but it's not, I I hate to say it like this, but it's not the drags. Like it's still amazing
1: food. Because a lot of these farmers are coming from West Virginia or Pennsylvania and they don't necessarily want to put beautiful lettuce that might start to wilt back on their truck and go back. Sometimes they do for their animals, but um, some of our donors actually know that we're going to be there to glean because we're reliable. When we say we're coming, we come. And so they'll actually sometimes bring surplus food if they have extra corn or whatever. They don't even think they're putting it out for sale, but Mm -hmm. they know that our food rescue program can come and glean it and pick it up. So we have about four or five different nonprofits that come to the DuPont market at closing when we've amassed all that food. And our Captain Christina knows exactly who gets what it's It's like clockwork.
0: That's amazing. Um, okay, so now how do you now we've got where the food comes from, but now where the food is going. So how did those partnerships get created, and how are you able to fill those needs? Well,
1: um, it's a lot of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, it was um, searching out, googling soup kitchens, um, mm. you know shelters the obvious places. What I think is really special about our program is in addition to working with places that are very well-known like Bread for the City, Martha's Table, DC Central Kitchen, we also work with um, uh, DC Housing Authority buildings, Mm. low-income seniors residing there. We work with Charlie's Place, um, uh, everybody home on the hill. Um, We work uh, with just um, churches, synagogues. We Mm. kind of listen to see where there's a need and people seek us out and mm-hmm. register in the app. And we do our very best to make matches. I'll be honest, um, we haven't been able to accommodate every inquiry because it's, it's a lot. There's a lot of need out there. But Amazing. A lot has to do with proximity. If a donor comes into a location where we have not been able yet to serve a nonprofit, because we always like to keep our rescues probably 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. we don't want food in the car. We want it to get there quickly to keep it safe. So, I would not tend to put a rescue 45 minutes away. It would probably also be harder for a volunteer to be able to step up to. Sure. So, a lot of this is a little bit of luck where mm-hmm. you're located, what type of food you need. Some places they'll do a distribution on the second and fourth Thursday of the month. So, we have to kind of keep that in mind. Other sure. places are open, you know. Every day and and Mm -hmm. have a lot more flexibility of what they can take in. And really quickly, we know to bring raw foods to places that have chefs to prepare it. Sure, like D.C. Central Kitchen. And the Central Union Mission. Sure. Um, And then the food that's prepackaged or pans of food can go to organizations that are more able to kind of serve it up.
0: Right, like scoop and serve. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. All right, we're going to get back to you at the end of the show because I want to talk a little bit about how the volunteering works. Okay. okay? But now I'm going to go over to Colleen. Hi. Hi, how are you? Back? You and I go way back. We do. We know each other longer than we should. <laughs> um, so how did you get – because you were in the restaurant industry. Yes. Um, I think you worked with my son, Sam. I did for a long time. Fucky you. Yeah. Um, so tell me how you changed sides.
2: I had um, I'd always had an interest in preventing food waste and, and kind of bridging that gap between those who didn't have enough to eat in the city and, and not only the education that we have in restaurants, but the waste that we would see, um, not necessarily on an everyday scale, but through events. You know, I've worked in some places that we would have massive events, massive buyouts mm. and people had to hit their minimum and so they ordered all this beautiful food and it was made and then they just didn't eat it. And we would try and get people to take boxes to go, We'd give it right. to the staff, but there's only so much that, that we can do and, you know, wrap my brain and this was before Kate had started in 2016 and much like a lot of different people, I would call places and they were like, oh, was it touched mm. by human hands and yeah. I said, well, yes, it was it was me <laughs> <laughs> and they're like we can't take it And I was like, oh, man.
0: no see that's where you said no
2: <laughs> I, right. I didn't have the education to be like okay, right. I guess you're right you're telling like, you know yeah. you're telling right. me so I guess this is how it is um and so fast forward a few years I had I had managed a few different restaurants and I had worked at a few different places where we were able to find places to donate pastries at the end of the night um but it wasn't until during during COVID I had started a catering company in in New Jersey and I got really into food insecurity and making and kind of using all of these local vegetables and trying to kind of integrate that into my menu. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at places where I could volunteer Mm -hmm. and work for mobile food markets up in the New Jersey area, which is where I was staying with my, with my family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was searching down here and I came across, um, uh, an Instagram post from Kate asking mm-hmm. for help. And so I I applied, and she happily hired me. Okay, <laughs> um, So that's how I maybe kind of brought all of our worlds together. So coming
0: from a restaurant, Kate hadn't been able well, to... Well, plus the contacts that you would have oh, down yeah. here, right? <laughs> yes. Since, you know, you're coming from a totally good intentions, totally different point of view. But, you know, when you don't know the people in the industry, mm-hmm. and to talk industry speak you know that bridging that gap of communication can sometimes be hard
2: yeah and kind of getting the foot in the door for these events that would happen in hotels and in restaurants where you know we've done these where we're trying to get more into that so we can rescue from places that may have a buffet but has food left over and they're not sure what to do with it right it's kind of where we step in and where we can really partner with restaurants where we might not be able to otherwise Because restaurants don't tend to have a lot of waste that we would pick up like a corporate cafeteria or a grocery store or a farmer's market. Right. I think you're
0: saying something that's really important. Um, I think a lot, I know for a fact, people think that there is just sort of this surplus of food at restaurants. Mm. That at the end of the night, there's all these, it's just leftover, right? But, and um, Matt can talk about this later. I mean, the math of that doesn't work. You don't want a lot of leftovers. You want to serve all your food. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you're not doing a good job in the kitchen if there's a lot of leftover food at night.
2: Absolutely. I remember for one of the first times, you know, I went with Kate. There was, you know, bagels. And those things in my mind, I've run kitchens before. And I was like, has something happened? Like, what is, where is all this food coming from? Because right. from a restaurant, we like, the game is not to hold
0: I mean, like I think we've it. we've yeah. heard this yeah. enough through the pandemic, but razor thin margins yes, is how a restaurant yeah. is supposed to successfully run, right?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and so it was it was nice to kind of get into this little world where, with food rescue, we could start to to kind of make partnership with with restaurants, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how we came to wow. our
0: uh, family meal for migrants program. Right. So yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah. Where did so family meal for migrants what is the program? How did it how did it uh, begin?
2: We were approached probably in January or February of this year from um, an woman named uh, Jessica, who is one of the core members of Migrant Solidarity Mutual Aid. Okay, um, which is an organization and nonprofit of volunteers who come together to help uh, those seeking asylum here in mm. D. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: and she came to us looking for more food, and we had a meeting with we kind of had a call, we kind of well, talked through what they were looking for, what they needed. Um there's a lot of there's a lot of people in need and the programs that they had, the food that they had wasn't wasn't enough for what they needed. Mm. And it wasn't always culturally appropriate and it wasn't if was, some things were over-processed. Right. You weren't you were meeting people find, where they were exactly mm-hmm. and you're trying to find a way to help. And so you know much like Kate was just saying, we make matches as best we can. So we were going through our different weekly schedules, saying where can we where can we funnel food your way? How can we help? And Kate asked, you know, how can restaurants get involved? Since we we're trying to, you know, get get more uh, restaurants on board with what we're doing. Um, and at first, my mind was like, razor within margins, not happening. But
0: right, right. <laughs> there's, there's... Well, plus, listen, after the pandemic or during the oh. pandemic, like asking <laughs> restaurants, I mean. Pre-pandemic, Matt, I know you can speak to this, you know, restaurants get asked for everything. Oh, can we get a, a gift? You know, it's a charity. Can we get a $100 gift card? Um, you know, come to our event. Can you do that? Like, do this, do this, do this, do this for free. And even, um, I can go down such a rabbit hole on that, but even the, um, you know, oh, I went to a restaurant and I had to wait and they didn't give me anything for free. Like, there's all these things built around restaurants that they are supposed to be give shit for free. Do you know what I mean? And I think during the pandemic, people are finally like, no, we can't. Like it's a business. I mean, there's just, there's not enough money built in there to make that work.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And running a restaurant during COVID, I mean, mm-hmm. that, it was, I kind of, I used to think it was like, it's a, it's a hurdle being in front, in front of you every single day. And the hurdle is different every single day. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where You're just like, I can't, do everything you're asking me to do, I wish that I could because I know that you're so excited to be back here with us, but right. there's only so much we can do. And so as we were talking, it occurred to me, I was like, you know, how can we get food that is is culturally appropriate and would be amazing? I was like, family meal. I've been lucky enough to work in a lot of restaurants where we are provided family meal, which is something where the kitchen team while they're prepping also makes food for us as a team, front of house, back house, to come together before a shift and sit down with one another and Mm -hmm. enjoy a meal before the doors open. And that usually consists of a salad, some rice, some beans, some chicken, maybe some pasta, Um, things that they have that is a little bit on, it's a little, you know, it's less money for them to buy in bulk from the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Uh, That they may not necessarily be using, or you know, different trimmings from things they're using, you know, from their prep. Um, and I started thinking, I was like, what if, what if we just asked restaurants to make a little more? You know, it's not, I'm not asking, you know, we're not gonna ask you to feed a thousand people, right? But maybe 50 to 100 Mm. on, you know, once a week or once a month or something like that. So this idea kind of started going, and I was going back and forth with Kate. I was like, do you think this will work? Um, Total her brain right. I give full credit to Kelly for this idea. And then I asked a few of my old restaurant owners. I sat with them. I was like, you know, tell me all the ways someone's going to tell me. Absolutely not. We're not right. doing this. And we talked it through. And I was like, because there was a million different ways that we could have gone about it. And at the end of the day, we're just like, all someone can say is no. Right. You know. And that's all I can say is no. And lucky, a lot of people said yes. Okay. <laughs> so we've with our partnership with um, the Restaurant Association of the
0: metropolitan Washington Yes
2: um, we have been able to um, get a lot of interest in, in helping, and whether that's once a week, whether that's once a month, maybe that's just one time, and please come back to me in the fall, maybe I can help out some more. Mm-hmm. We've had some restaurants do a um, like a um clothing drive mm. any way that they, you know people come to us and they say,
0: "I just want to help in any way that I can, please just." I mean, it's, yeah. everybody's so generous. It speaks great. volumes of the industry in the city. I mean, it, they're amazing.
2: And it's a way for them, for restaurants to give back in a way that they might not be able to otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a really nice and, and important...
0: Okay, so how did you hook up with Alex?
2: Alex is a volunteer mm-hmm. for and, and one of the core volunteers with Jessica um, okay. at Migrant Solidarity Mutual. Yes. Um, and so we met on our first... Family meal for migrants donation mm-hmm. from Bond Forty Five in okay. National Harbor. Wow! Um, and here's some volunteers, and so we kind of started talking, and we we're both really excited about this program. And
3: yeah. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I thought Colleen's idea was uh, brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, I think we're uh, originally from El Paso, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, I know the burden that migration can put onto a city. And with eleven thousand six hundred immigrants uh, being bust to the city. We needed help from the city, but at the same time, we needed the city just to help. Uh, There weren't really any programs Mm -hmm. available at that time. So there is OMS, there's OMAS Security, there are shelters in the city. Um, But the idea of, uh, I think we all know, in the restaurant industry there's a lot of Latinos and there's a lot of Latino immigrants, right? I think Mm -hmm. the Family Meal Plan recognized that in a very honest way. And what it does is it allows uh, Latinos working in the restaurant industry Opportunity to give back to their community. Mm. And I hadn't seen anything like that. Uh, so, like, she's humble about it. Colleen's point, or, uh, Kate's pointing out I'm humble Colleen, but like, really, the idea is brilliant. <laughs> and, um,
0: yes. Yay! Okay, well <laughs> Colleen. Yay, Colleen. So okay. <laughs> well, it is amazing, and I love it, and I'm glad that we have this opportunity to talk about it. But can we talk more about the organization and how it was formed? and what the initial role was and how it's all being integrated. Sure, absolutely.
3: So, Migrant um, Solidarity Mutual Aid, I think, was uh, formed originally just out of need, right? So meeting uh, the migrants speed bus in the city, mm-hmm. uh, Union Station, in front of the Vice President's house.
0: Sure. Um, so it's super recent. It's in the last, what? We,
3: they just had a year anniversary mm. there, okay. a week ago. Mm. Um, so it's really people just figuring things out on the fly. So, one of the great things about a lot of great things about DC, but um, my immigration lawyers in DC, right? So, There's a lot of doers too, 100%.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so, that's I mean, that's an amazing asset. Uh, but there wasn't a huge overlap with the restaurant industry, there wasn't a huge overlap, um, I mean, with Catholic charities, um, but the restaurant industry is just positioned in such a unique place, mm-hmm. uh, especially for the migrant uh, crisis right Cannot yeah, This is a point I keep making, you can't separate, in the United States, you can't separate uh, food from Latino immigrants. Uh, so from the farm, uh, to processing plants, to restaurants, to wine bars, we are very visible in mm-hmm. this area. Um, and we hold a little bit of power in this area. Uh, and having, um, having the ability to really take advantage of that was... I think has been a huge support for migrant Solidarity. Maybe more than Food Rescue understands. Mm-hmm. But I think actually the majority of the meals they're getting right now, uh, they're not being sponsored by Homeland Security or by OMS. I think it's coming from Food Rescue or from people who started with Food Rescue. Wow.
0: Uh, so but how does that look to you as one of the volunteers? How is that executed?
3: Uh, so uh, super easy. So mm-hmm. I, I would ask anyone to sign up uh, and volunteer. Essentially, we get the name of a restaurant that wants to uh, contribute a, a family meal for migrants.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, meal. Uh, we pick it up at the restaurant. Uh, for me, it's been mainly like four or five o'clock. Uh, then we drive it to one of the shelters. Uh, there are three shelters, active shelters right now. Um, we're, I, I think for good reason, we're a little bit quiet about where the locations are, but they're operating by security, they're operating by LMS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we distribute there. So really we're augmenting, um, they are getting food, but we are augmenting it. Last week there was like some spoilage in the food that, uh, not Food Rescue, but what Food Rescue was able to do is, you know, they It was they did, like backup. But it, it wasn't backup because that's what they had to eat for, mm. that, for that period of time. Uh, but also what it does is it lets them know that you have, su- lets the migrants know that they have support in the city. Right? There's people, it's a little bit of a hopeless time right now, right? New York okay. City is about to declare that they're no longer a sanctuary city. I know. Um, I've, been, I've been super impressed with uh, Mayor Bowser, actually.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, we, you know, there's, we're a city of about a half a million. New York City's 9 million, approximately. Mm-hmm. And we were receiving as many migrants as them uh, from Texas. So the fact that Mayor Bowser was able to do everything she's done, um, I'm super impressed by it.
0: I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> no, no, no. You're okay. telling me a lot of really important information because sure. I, it's a very convoluted it's issue. It's That's complicated. Sort of. It's convoluted. I think most people in this area, and most probably in New York, I mean, across the country, every, most people want to help. People are escaping for a reason. Correct. And they want to come and start their lives. I mean, everybody just wants to live their lives and live as well as they can for themselves and their family. So how do we help ease that burden, right?
3: Sure. So uh, first of all, I I completely agree with you. For the vast majority of migrants uh, coming to this country, they're coming for the same reason that our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents came to this country, the same intentions. um, And that's never going to change, right? Mm -hmm. So we have outdated laws right now. We do need to make we need to make some changes, but the thing uh, that anyone could, so Harvey Milk was, uh, was a civil rights gay yeah. right, okay. San so, Francisco. Right, and he put this, this, he had this brilliant idea of coming out, right, to let your friends, family, uh, co-workers know that you support, right, this agenda.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so I think the best way that you can help immigration from this country right now is to make a public statement of support. Tell your friends, to tell your family that we, in fact, support immigration reform. However it looks to you, immigration reform looks differently to everyone. Mm-hmm. But however it applies to you seems um, making that statement, letting people know, letting politicians know that we, we care about this. I think, uh, I think that's the best step. Then sign up with Food Rescue. Right? He's like, let me bring it back. <laughs> let me bring it back. It's okay. And then sign up with Migrant um, Solidarity. Congregation is getting a little more involved, so, mm. uh, and then all the different Catholic charities in the area. Um, but also, you know, figure it out if you see something lacking, then you can help out. Like,
0: well, like Kate said, I mean, it's not just food. Like, somebody did a coat drive or a clothing drive. I mean, I love that there's layers to it. I'm going to head over to Matt for a second. Uh, Matt Adler, check Matt Adler from Caruso's, um, and you know him from. Variety of restaurants in the DC area, um, Matt. I mean, you've been involved with World Central Kitchen with Jose, and you've always been incredibly involved in the community. So, how did you find out about food rescue? I mean, I'm sure you heard it on one of my many shows, but prior to that, um, how did you um, how did you get involved?
4: So, uh, Alex and I were together for a long time. We met uh, in the beginning of COVID. We were both working with World Central Kitchen uh, mm-hmm. at Nats Park. And then he actually worked as a host at Crusos for a long time as well. So mm-hmm. I think he reached out to me initially about this, connected me with Colleen, who's also a colleague worked with NRG for a long time. Because mm-hmm.
0: uh, you also worked with Sam. Sam, yeah. <laughs> um,
4: so we, uh, you know, I heard about the program. Was like, of course, you know, my natural inclination as a chef is that I want to feed people, and I do that in my restaurants every night. But to be able to do that, you know, for somebody who's paying. Fifty-five dollars per person for their pasta and their dessert and their cocktail, but to be able to do that for somebody who you know really needs it, who really mm-hmm. needs a, a, a great meal, you know that's so much more impactful. So much and more how fun. do you
0: execute it? At is it just at Caruso's? Is it throughout NRG? Like, how are you working with food rescue and this specific program to be effective?
4: So at Caruso's, um, you know, I think we did it last month for the first time. Uh, we basically you know, we made five or six different pans of baked CD, and we prepared a salad. We got some bread together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, Alex, and Colleen came and picked it up. They brought it where it needed to go. It was a really seamless process. We mm-hmm. were able to um, use our buying power and reach out to some of our purveyors who could donate some of the food, so mm-hmm. we didn't have to
0: shoulder. That's all what I was going to ask. Like that makes so much sense to me. That it's easy to sort of say. To, I mean, given I mean, Caruso's is a part of Neighborhood Restaurant Group. It's twenty plus restaurants. Yeah it seems like you have a lot of buying power.
4: Yeah, for sure. Um, just having been a chef in D.C. for so long and working with so many different businesses, it's easy enough to be able to pull together enough resources to do this. And mm-hmm. it's, not, um, you know, it's not crazy expensive. We're talking about pasta and bread and salad. and mm-hmm. The cost for the restaurant is minimal, but uh, the impact is, is pretty great, so it's worth the time and the effort to
0: do it. And is this something that you can sort of get back of the house, in front of the house, like is it part of a community program for for the people in the restaurant like you worked in a restaurant you called him, you told him what you were doing but I would hate that if I were working in a restaurant and my restaurant was involved in something like this that I didn't know about it, right? So like is there a way of like making it bigger for everybody who's working for you so that they know and can come up with ideas or you know get involved?
4: For sure I think we need to get a little bit further down the road with it but anytime Mm -hmm. we do everybody wants to be a part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because again, you know, the day-to-day in a restaurant sometimes is a little
0: monotonous, a little Mm -hmm.
4: challenging. So uh, when stuff like this comes up, um, it's... That is not
0: what your Instagram and Twitter (laughs) sounds like. There is nothing about following Matt Adler on social media that sounds monotonous (laughs) or boring. But anyway... Uh,
4: But it's, um, you know, when stuff like this comes up, people want to Want to give back for whatever reason the restaurant industry always wants to help the community.
0: Well, I think you said it best. Um, you know how to feed people, yeah. and actually, I'll never forget before World Central. Well, World Central Kitchen was developed, but when that was when initially when uh, Jose was in Haiti, right where they started the program, which was totally not what it is today. And when he went to Houston, when there was that terrible. Um, Hurricane there, and I remember seeing him. You know, he was talking on something. You know, when he's like, "I'm a chef. I know how to feed people." And I mean, now he says it all the time, but I remember seeing it then, and I was like, "Oh, I see." You know, he was in the grocery yeah, store, just like just, yeah. you know, like throwing stuff in, and I was like, "Right, such a no brainer." Yeah. You know, instead of like all the red tape, and it's not that FEMA or um, homeland Security, it's not that people don't have good intentions, but they're not in the food and beverage industry, so they don't know some things, I feel like.
4: And they're, you know, we are inherently going to make delicious food and that mm-hmm. might not necessarily be the same thing if it's through the Red Cross or somebody where, um, I mean, if we don't make good food in our restaurants, people don't come, so right. we do that naturally.
0: Okay. and Great. So let's talk about how this all works. Like You made a very clear point of meeting people where they are with the kind of food that they're serving. So how do you communicate with a Chef Matt, and how do you and Alex talk about the kind of things that we want to bring to the migrant community to make them feel safe at home through food?
2: Yeah, I think it's a, you know, I, in every interaction I have, especially when we're first, when I'm talking to chefs first about this program, it's however you and your team best operate, Whatever mm-hmm. makes the most sense for you, that makes the most sense for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not. Food is love, and <laughs> was, this is one of our very resounding themes here at Food Rescue. It's no matter how you're, no matter what you make, you're gonna do it with love, and you you have this mission, and you you do every day. But when you have this very, uh, it's just it's mission driven. Mm-hmm you're helping people. You know that the, that it's making a difference, not only in someone's day, it's week. Right. And so it's, it's always a conversation where it's like, you know, how can we best help? And that's where Alex comes in. It's was like, you know, boots on the ground. How can we help? Was the conversation with chef Adler and I was like, you know, what makes the most sense for you? Is it pasta? Is it rice? Is it chicken? What is easiest? Because homemade food is better than
1: right getting Any, right. get. so
2: it's more of like i'm not going to ask you to make me like <laughs> can i please have your 20 dollar chicken from your menu and i need 40 right. of them <laughs> right right um it's a, it's always a conversation and i'm always going to be open to whatever anyone is, has an idea they're mm-hmm. excited about something mm-hmm. um
0: but yeah. when the program is active so Food rescue works because of volunteers who take from one and give to another. Is that basically is is that's how it's working in this one? Is it the same execution? It's
2: slightly different in that it's never so. With these these family meals are not open to our volunteer base necessarily because. Mm -hmm. They're executed differently. It's going directly from Alex is usually one to pick up, or there's a few other volunteers who are able to pick up, and then they right. serve the food directly to the, 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 the three places. The three places, right? Yeah, they're going. They're setting up table, and people are coming with their plates, and they're they're serving. Okay. Um, and so it's it's just slightly different because it's a it's a slightly different model mm-hmm. than sometimes we sometimes we're picking up. 40 wrapped sandwiches or lunch boxes or things in, or, or raw foods, or this is made specifically for, for this community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the interactions with, with these communities and the, different, the three different places um, directly.
0: And well, I was going to ask, Alex, is when you pick up the food and you deliver, are you also hanging out, talking to people? Like, can, I'd love to hear a little bit about the experience. Yeah,
3: for sure. So... A lot of moms, a lot of kids, mm. right? Um, and you know, to kind of double down on what um, and Colleen said is that a nutritious meal is going to keep someone alive, right? But a delicious meal, like mm. that, gives people hope and lets people know that there are people who genuinely care about you, in mm-hmm. this community, um, and that is the response I get. Um, the baked ziti uh, <laughs> is what you know so well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fantastic! Because some of the some of the younger teens are going to be teens. Uh, some of them calling me big eating now. Or <laughs> well, <laughs> not, oh, I love not it. The worst thing. Not the well, that's just I <laughs> that's it. No, uh, that's I, I think myself. I mm-hmm. myself. Um, so, so that interaction. I mean, really, we're in a sense of these um, people don't know what's happening. Sure. Right, and uh, any normality we could bring to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Any,
3: any sense of hope that we can give to them um, and food does that like a delicious meal is going to touch your heart in a place that political opinion mm-hmm. is never going to touch your heart uh, right and you know these yeah you know, they're going they're getting nut- nutritious meals and and that's fantastic but then also they're getting some of the you know best pasta in the city mm-hmm. some of the best food in the city mm-hmm. um, and it makes a difference it, and I know it, it seems like a small thing but
0: no, it does not seem like a small thing to me.
3: It, it, it doesn't seem like a small thing to me. I see their faces. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and you start to build relationships with them after a couple
0: of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the hope from there is that, I mean, is there an elevated hope that they can find jobs, find housing, move next? I mean, I know that's probably so, broader than your organization. Uh,
3: but it's a good question. It's, it's very necessary. Uh, one of the things that just sort of has happened, I would imagine organically within any migrant group in America, but specifically Latinos, is the groups. You know, one person will get a job somewhere and say, hey, listen, let's talk to the boss. I know this great worker. Mm-hmm. And, and so on and so on and so on. Mm. Um, and having, getting these migrants, um, any connection to that community. Any connection to the pre existing Latino American community is, is a huge step in them being able to survive here in the United States and really to, to do what every other migrant immigrant group has done, you know, participate, contribute. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, there's um, a lot of roles in the restaurant industry that need to be filled. Um, you know, the hope is, is that that can be, you know, a place where, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship there. I mean, I I would imagine it is.
3: Uh, I'm not sure what it is about the restaurant industry. that's just feeding people. But I think that attitude is reflected by chefs like Anthony Bourdain, by chefs Mm -hmm. like Matt Adler, by managers like Collie. that they're working shoulder-to-shoulder with Latino immigrants the majority of their career. Um, And overlooking they're not going to overlook someone who they work with and they're, they're friends with. They're going to want to know their history. They're going to value that history. They're mm-hmm. going to recognize those experiences are valuable. Um, and I think also you have those attitudes in construction. You have those attitudes in childcare. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think the restaurant industry, for whatever reason, just uh, is
4: filled with a lot of good people and, mm-hmm. uh, who want to get back. Great. Yeah, but you don't, uh, the thing with restaurants is you don't need... All this education to get involved in it. Anybody mm-hmm. can work in a restaurant if they're, um, you know, if they care about what they do. Um, you know, they show up to work on time. They work hard. They care about people. They care about their job. You can succeed. You can excel. and You can do well. And I mean, in a matter of years, you can you know start at entry level and you can work your way up really to the top and have your own Not restaurant. You I mean, restaurant. If you work, I know. You, know you can be in charge. You can be a general manager. You can make uh, you know lots of money again without like. The burden of having to go through um, education. You know, my sister jokes, you know, she has uh, I think like eight or nine years of higher education, and I have two years (laughs) to go into culinary school. But Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been able to have a higher salary in my career because I pursued a different field. This
0: sounds like um, sibling rivalry, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) That's like um,
4: anybody can do it, you know, anybody Mm -hmm. can start in a restaurant again as a bus boy.
0: I know it's a it's a tale as old as time that you hear in the industry of so many people who start at the absolute I hate to say bottom cuz that sort of negates it but you know you you have to start somewhere, start somewhere sure. and um so hopefully I'm hopeful with that with the restaurant industry Kate I want to bring it back to you mm-hmm. because I, one of the things we haven't really discussed is the volunteer yeah and how the volunteer participates actively in picking up that food and getting it to that location
1: Well, we have... uh probably at any one time about 400 or so volunteers whose names we recognize who are out there doing the work in the past 90 days, uh, Mm -hmm. several months. And uh, many of them have been with us from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. We have an opportunity for volunteers to adopt rescues. Um, Janet on Wednesdays will pick up at the World Bank and drop it off at uh, Potomac Senior Housing. And Mm. she develops one of my favorite things. I always say we have a dual mission, but we have one more. It's food waste, food insecurity, but then it's building community. And Mm. this is a prime example of yes. as well. But the volunteers will actually develop kind of sidebar relationships with the people that they're bringing the food to. Mm-hmm. They become friends, uh, friendly with uh, the donors. And um, when someone adopts a rescue, they'll feed us information. Um, it's, it's really a beautiful thing. But I mean, we do have, um, I, I also like to say that they, uh, I have had many reports of volunteers who might have lived in DC for 10 years or so, but have mm-hmm. never really gone into Anacostia across the river and then they have a reason to because they're doing a food rescue and they report back. That was really amazing. Some really lovely parts of the city down there. It was really great to be able to have that opportunity to give back. Mm. And, you know, quickly during COVID, a lot of people thought, boy, I bet you guys had had a rough time with it. But in fact, with so many people working from home and wanting to do something and you could have local. No, I would bet
0: now... It might be harder because yeah. people are back to
1: work. I was, I was a little worried; the drop off wasn't as significant okay. as we thought. So we're still doing okay, um, and we're grateful that through the migrant Solidarity and mutual aid, they do their own rescues. Um, so that doesn't we would be. And, and by the so way, so you're not
0: cannibalizing we're, yourself. They're not.
1: But we also, whenever possible, do typical food rescue to Alex and his group when we can find. You know, Leon Bakery. uh, There's opportunities to do the surplus food that we come across that we can get in addition to the program that Colleen spearheads. I love that. So, um, but the volunteer experience. I mean, it's you know, um, it's usually by the time you leave your home and do the rescue and get back, it's under an hour. Mm -hmm. And um, and
0: you've expanded because it wasn't in Maryland
1: before. we, we, We there are other food rescue programs in Maryland. So I wanted to kind of tiptoe to see, you know, not to overreach. But like when we have LeVan Bakery that then opens in Bethesda, we have Call Your Mother Deli that opens in Bethesda. Mm -hmm. And um, there's room enough. I always say there's no need to be competitive in this field because there's plenty of food out there. We just need to kind of know, you know, if a grocery store is being gleaned by the Capital Area Food Bank, that's like, oh, good. Okay, that's, let's not, let's move on because that's being taken care of. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to um, you know our growth. We go where it makes sense, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah. But but I, th- I think it's a pretty dynamite volunteer so opportunity. Just walk me through it.
0: Yeah. How do you you just download the app? I mean, for people who yeah. don't know,
1: how does it work? Super easy. Okay. So um, foodrescue.us is our website, our main website. We have a, a web page, the DC program, which I like to direct people to because it's more about mm-hmm. what we do down here. But. Um, the app is a web-based app. It's not in the App Store or on Google Play, but mm-hmm. if you go to foodrescue.us, you can either work it on your computer it's or if you open it on your phone, there's an opportunity to save it to your home screen, and then mm-hmm. it is effectively an app like any other app. And um, every night at six o'clock, if there are rescues that are unclaimed for the next day, an email, we, we try not to do a lot of push notifications so we don't, you know, overwhelm. you know, overdo it Mm -hmm. so but at six o'clock if there are rescues for the next day um, uh, people can we call attention to them to see if we can get them covered and then in the morning Colleen and I uh, strategize we a beautiful day is when there's nothing to cover because then we can focus on growing the program Mm -hmm. and doing the work but then um, if we have rescues open because once we partner with a business we don't let them down we don't leave them with pans of food that they're you know right you're coming to get it we're getting it so it's her getting it or I'm getting it our core volunteers, we do reach out. We know so many people by very well by now that we know, oh, normally John can do that rescue. Let's give him a quick text, see mm-hmm. if he can cover it. We make it happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. But yes, yeah, so download the app and um, you can uh, claim one rescue. You can adopt a rescue. If you adopt a rescue and then you have a friend coming to town that Wednesday, you can unclaim for just that day and then it opens it up so that other people have the opportunity. Well, I love,
0: I mean, here's the thing. I love that you're trying to make it as easy as possible for the volunteers, but I'm kind of like, I mean, that's the point. I met so many of the volunteers mm-hmm. when I was at the event last yeah. year. And, I mean, they just, they love being able to do too. something, you know. So can we talk about the event while we wrap up? Let's talk about the event this year, September 21st. September <laughs>
1: First. Very exciting. We're, yes. we're thrilled to have Nikki as our MC again I'm this year. Which wonderful. I love. Yes. I uh, have
0: yeah, same place, mm-hmm.
2: uh, Gallery O on H.
0: Which is such a cool space. It's, really it's cool. a great. It's space.
2: a very cool space. Yeah. Earlier in the year, like yeah. it was a little chilly years. last October. I know. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. Um,
0: you never know. This year it could be eighty. It could be ninety degrees. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just it's always a lose lose when it comes to it's the weather so and events.
2: Um, we have some great restaurants on board,
0: including. Mm-hmm. So oh yay!
2: There with us? Apparently
0: um, he's bringing baked ziti. I mean, that's what I hear. I hear he's yeah, serving yeah, baked ziti. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so okay. um, we have live jazz. We have Atlas Brewworks is making us a beer from mm-hmm. uh, Rescued Bread from Tate Bakery, which is a partner we just Oh, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, How exciting. So we're super excited about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be great. We have a great salon auction. We have a, a cooking demo from two of our advisory council members. Great. Brian Gordon and Shona Banji, which we're super excited about. Um, yeah, it's just gonna be Well, so good. last year, the cooking demo
0: was really terrific because it showed how to reuse food. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a lot... A, a lot of people are just confused by it. They're like, but this is already done. And she was able to be like, no, 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 you can take this and make it something else. I mean, if you're a chef, that's a no-brainer. But for a lot of people, like if you come home with leftovers... And let's say you had chicken parmesan and uh, baked ziti. You know, some people would be like, "Okay, I guess I'm having chicken parmesan and baked ziti." But you can yeah, sure. get creative and do other things. And I think knowing how to uh, recycle food in that capacity is great education.
2: Yeah, I think also like if you're a part of a CSA and you have something that in your basket that you normally wouldn't know any know what to do with, mm-hmm. you put an eggplant in front of me and be like, I yeah.
1: No idea eggplant's <laughs> what always the trickier. Eggplant Parmesan. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Hello. <laughs> or Bolo yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um,
2: but it's one of those things where you're just like, you don't have, always have those, those ideas in your arsenal. And so having Shorna, uh, you can do this with. Right. You can make a chutney out of anything. Yeah. You can make, and with Ryan, it's like, you can make, um, you have rice. You can do anything. Right.
1: With,
0: okay, so uh, mark your calendars. Yes.
1: yes. September, 21st. September 21st. Okay. It's our live. Yeah, and uh, I guess foodrescue.us, you'd find the DC page, and tickets are available through that. Okay, great.
0: Okay, good. All right, tell everybody where they can find you one more
1: time. Um, Well, uh, my email is kate at Um, Mm foodrescue.us. Colleen and I are, um, and Colleen Gillespie at foodrescue.us, it's... it's, um, my phone number is at the end of every pickup and drop off in the app. So okay. I always answer phone calls no matter what the area code is. Okay. It they could had be your didn't phone did ring while you were on here. It did uh, once, but I got okay. it. So okay. hopefully there's not an issue. <laughs> okay. But so you can reach out to us with any questions. Of course, um, by zip code, if you sign up in the app, you will be um, into the DMV, the DC program based upon you um, what you enter as your zip code so we will see you and Colleen gets out an email every day to our new volunteers with a welcome so probably the easiest way if you want to become involved and restaurants businesses can um, sign up through the website right now um, an agency has to reach out to us directly or we reach out to them but both volunteers and food donors can sign up directly in the app and then we'll capture their information and be in touch
0: amazing okay Alex where do we find you
1: uh, Instagram, so
3: Alex and Charles, what you on Instagram?
0: Okay, um, excellent. And the organization?
3: Absolutely. Vibrant Solidarity and Joy also have a great Instagram page, uh, website. Um, I think they have a Twitter handle as well.
0: Okay, for the moment, X. X. It's called X. Yeah, absolutely X. correct. I don't know. We're all off in a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> Chef Adler.
4: Uh, Crusoe's Grocery. We have one in Southeast Washington, D.C., and one in Pike and Rose. Inn.
0: Mm-hmm. And where can we follow you and all your rants on uh, uh, yeah, yeah. social media? Uh,
4: at Adler81 on Instagram and at Adler81 on
1: Twitter. Excellent. Okay, great. Yeah, we're on Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook. All the things, all things the too. All the things. All the things. Excellent. No, all right. Hi. Well, thank you
0: all for joining me today. Just give me a second while I wrap up. Everything you heard here today you can find on the list, are you on it, dot com, uh, the online museum that tells you everything that's happening in the D.C. metro area. Um, obviously, if you are looking for ways to volunteer, you have heard a lot mm-hmm ways to get involved Uh, today. There are a lot of people in need and uh, if you have means then you should be able to help. Um, Follow me at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, X, whatever that is. Uh, Please subscribe on YouTube and ask me questions anytime. Um, If there's anything that you heard here today that you want to know more about, just ping me and I'll get you an answer. Uh, So much going on in the world, but especially in the DC area. Don't be shy. Get out and eat and uh, be safe out there. Have a delicious week. Produced by HeartCast Media.